You're listening to My Solo Road by Divine Media. Hello, friends. Welcome back to My Solo Road. It is Sydney. Hi, how are you? I hope everyone is doing well. We are still in San Diego. Again, we will be here for just a bit. I did get to go see my van yesterday, my new one, and it is beautiful. I am so excited. I'm definitely like gatekeeping any pictures or information about it because I just want it to be a little bit closer to being done, I think, before I fully expose it and kind of bring you in on that. But it really is beautiful. It has like all of the things that I've not had for years. I will have a toilet. I will have a hot outdoor shower, air conditioning, heat, like things I haven't even dreamed of really uh, because I've just had to make do with you know what I have uh, and be positive about that and honestly I didn't really even miss most of those things for a long time until recently the last like year I just kind of I don't know we were in colder places and I really wanted to have heat and I have to avoid those places on hotter days like I remember having to leave where was I Missoula Montana uh, because it started to get really hot but I wanted to explore the place but like Ella and Pearl couldn't be in the car and it was like 105. Anyways, I just am so grateful. Everything is so beautiful. It's going to be so nice. So we'll be hanging here for the next few weeks while that gets done. And in the meantime, Henry and I, I think I mentioned this last week, maybe I didn't. Um, Henry and I booked tickets to Orlando for Disney World. So we're going to be there from the 14th through the 20th or actually 14th and 15th. We'll be home in Indianapolis because I wanted to visit my family on the way. Not that it's really on the way, but if we were going that direction, it just seemed like a good time to say hello because I did not make it home for Christmas. And then on the 16th through the 20th, we're going to be in Disney World. I was just in Disney World a few months ago with my mom and my sister. I surprised my mom there and we had such a fun time. The whole time I was there, I just wanted Henry to be there. And so he agreed to come with me as like an engagement I don't know, celebration. And so we're going to go to Disney and I have like the entire thing ready and like plans in motion. Uh, We have tickets for everything. We have a couple dinners that we're going to go to. I'm just pumped. I'm probably going to post on TikTok more often just because I feel like what we're going to be posting is going to be so silly and like not quality content. And so I'm probably going to post on TikTok on Divine Off the Road. I will share that on Instagram because I don't know if that's where I'm going to be. Whatever. You get the point. I'll be posting somewhere. Uh, Just a bunch of goofy videos of all the things we eat and whatever we do. But that is everything that's coming up my way. Uh, Before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to share the coffee, Divine on the Roast. I'm trying to be better at marketing, uh, but it is the coffee I love. It's the coffee that I make and it's the coffee that I drink every single morning with Henry. I have been making it iced, hot, like a blended coffee sometimes. Now that I have this Mr. Coffee maker thing, it makes like all of the above. It makes all kinds of different coffee drinks. Pick Me Up Pearl is definitely my favorite. That is the one I tend to go to the most, but they're all delicious. I've also been drinking Destination Decaf a little bit more often because I'm trying to not be drinking like three cups of coffee a day. So I eventually migrate to decaf. But yes, that is all of the happenings. You can buy my coffee on shopdivineontheroad.com and look at all the different coffee blends that I have going on there and some like little merchy things. My clothing line, Roads of Gold, is still in the works. We are wrapping up all of the details on that and then... I'll be able to launch that hopefully in the summer, like early summer is what it's looking like of this year. I've been working so, so hard on it. So I'm really excited for you guys to 
have that and for it to be out in the world. That is pretty much everything. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with Lauren from The Animal Pad. We have created this really wonderful relationship with her. If you follow Henry or I closely at all, you have probably seen us talk about The Animal Pad time and time again, especially Lauren. We've just, we have such a great friendship with her outside of rescue as well. We just admire everything she does. She has so much passion for rescue and we could all just kind of talk about it all day. I have never met someone in my life who is as committed and dedicated to just dogs in general. Like it is just such a huge part of her life and she is so good at it. Like it is, it's such a gift and it's, it's just awesome to even watch her do her thing. But today we're going to hear her like rescue story. We're going to ask tons of questions about how she got involved, how you guys can get involved if you want to, and just kind of hear her take on the dogs in Mexico, the need in Mexico specifically, what van people could do maybe when we are all, you know, constantly going down there, what seems like every winter, if there is anything that we can do as well, and just kind of chat about rescue and what that world looks like, what Henry and I's experience has really been. And yeah, like I said, she's a good friend. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. It's a little bit different than the usual. And so yeah, I'm just excited for you to especially get to know Lauren and like a voice and a face behind the animal pad and behind rescue to really hear her thoughts and her just like I said, passion is like oozing out of this girl. So, pour a drink, and Henry is joining me as well, but please enjoy. This is our good friend, Lauren. Alrighty, we are back with Lauren from The Animal Pad, who we have talked about on our social medias a million times for the last, I want to say, like two years. She's very involved in animal rescue, and so we are just going to go over her experience and what that's been like, and yeah, just kind of learn more about your world. Yay. Get away from the van world for just a minute. Okay, so first things first, I would love to know how you got involved in rescue to begin with share your story. It's like not a good story, but it's something. <laughs> no, I think it is um, a good story because it's more relatable in okay. my opinion. Well, back in, so what, 2016, I guess, when it was like all the election stuff was happening, I was very heavily involved in the Bernie Sanders campaign, which now also feels like another world ago, <laughs> but I was putting in a lot of volunteer hours, like just really believed in the mission and everything that he stood for. So I was going around and doing a lot of canvassing and a lot of just different stuff for the campaign. And then I went all the way to the DNC in Philly by myself, slept on like a church floor for $25 a night and made a lot of very interesting friends <laughs> that I no longer speak to. <laughs> oh my God, I love But um, yeah, it was, it was fun times. But, you know, when everything, in my opinion, came crashing down to not at all what I were to expect to happen, I was feeling like in a very dark place, like, wow, this is the world we live in. It just doesn't feel like a world that I like. So I kind of went looking for like a tangible way to make a change and to feel like I could make an impact and... Like I wasn't just spinning my wheels and putting a lot of time and effort into something that I wasn't going to see any return because that's kind of how that felt. So I decided to foster a dog and I reached out to like maybe five different local San Diego rescues and 
I heard back from the animal pad within hours and I heard back from no one else. So just a testament to like, I feel like this was so meant to be that I ended up here because I yeah heard back really quickly. And back then things were very different. It was such a small team and they were like, do you want to go pick up this dog? Like he's at the Humane Society. Yes. Her name was Maureen. She is not super involved anymore. She's more of a foster. She donates a lot of her time and donates a good amount of money as well. So thank you, Maureen. We love you. I uh, can't do it without you. But yeah, so she is, uh, she was the foster director at the time. So she just reached out and was like, Hey, want to go to the shelter and get this dog? He was shot in the face with a BB gun and Tr- trigger warning. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> Oh my god, sorry. Realize that. We're not um, also laughing yeah. because that's funny, but no. the things that Lauren has seen, first of all, it's yeah. if you don't have a smile on your face, you don't get through it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. But yeah, so he and he lived and he's so happy and he has a great life now. So but yeah, he had been shot in the face with a BB gun. Okay, he that's living in a still really bad, ra- but still bad. I like the yes, clarification. Yes. when you decided to foster this dog, were you expecting to pick up like a doodle dog? Like a like a dog that was no, like a so they told or a me, broken dog. They told me everything. So he was a purebred Australian shepherd. So he was a purebred dog, but he was living in a really rural part of, oh gosh, it was Warner Springs. So it's maybe two hours from here. And he was just roaming around. He had probably been dumped and it's very rural, a lot of farmland. So he was going in and out of properties and the, how they think he got shot was they think that a farmer probably thought he was a coyote and mistaked Mm. him for a coyote and shot him and He was shot in the face, in the mouth. He had like a split lip that was a scar. He had teeth that had just been shot out. And then he had whole actual holes through his ear. But they were also normalize not shooting coyotes with people. 100%. We can normalize that. I mean, it's not exactly that I love the coyotes. No, just like come up with a more secure way of keeping your livestock. Yeah, like they're. Yeah. Even if it was a coyote, the coyote doesn't deserve to show up. A thousand percent. I feel the same way. I was sickened by it the whole entire story. And then learning it's a domestic dog yeah it doesn't change much of my opinion of shooting an animal but yeah that was his story and so i heard had heard that prior to picking him up and i was like okay what am i getting myself into but okay so went to the humane society where he was picked him up he was so scared like when he first came out he just started tinkle peeing everywhere and at the time i was living with my sister and her boyfriend and we all went to go meet him and kind of all agreed on the spot like yes he needs us so we all took him back but it was still very much my thing and they like let me know like this is your thing like you're gonna be the one to care you know do all the things and it was my thing and i didn't even know how much of my thing it was at that point because now obviously it's become my whole life so at that point took him home and it's actually really easy to promote the dog you're fostering and so i just took to my social media and started posting about him and I had a friend from high school that I didn't even know her parents just like exclusively rescue Australian shepherds and were looking for a male and it just like worked out perfectly to where she contacted and said don't ever post that dog like that dog is ours so then the rescue's like holy shit this girl just got you know she came in fostering two days later she hasn't adopted for this dog like what else can she do you know and so I went from that to joining the team as a foster coordinator and being like support basically like a therapist for fosters as a volunteer as a volunteer yeah Yeah. and then from there pretty early on the team was like do you want to be a director and i'm like yeah what and they're like we don't really know of something like you kind of are doing a lot of different things so i became the director of communications which i don't even to this day know what that means (laughs) like what that role was Mm -hmm. i was driving supplies i mean it was so not director of communications i was driving supplies to people i was 
answering questions and fielding inquiries. And um, I was running our social media. So maybe that's where the communications came in. I don't know. And then really quickly after like a month of that, Stephanie, who's the founder, was like, you're the director of operations. And at that point, I wanted to do so much in terms of okay, like, let's get strategic with the way that the teams work and the way that, you know, I'm gonna have meetings with everyone monthly. And that lasted for a a short period of time until it's just full blown. Like I am now just kind of the one that everybody comes to for everything, which I love. I love that. But yeah. Lauren kind of runs the animal pad. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, not even really kind of. You're in charge of most things. Yeah. And I feel everyone, everyone would say that. That's not Right. You know, that's that's absolutely true. There's a ton of people that make it run, but I feel like I'm the person that people come to to, like, make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But, yeah, on top of that, I that was a, a volunteer gig for five and a half years, you know, and then. Right. And so you were also working full time. Also working full time, neglecting everything else in my life, neglecting friends I've had for my whole life who understand, luckily, right. um, neglecting every paying job ever, just hoping that I wasn't going to get fired. And honestly, every time like I'd get this like email from a boss or message on Slack saying, Hey, can we jump on like a quick five? (laughs) I would, I'd be like, this is it. You guys, I'm done. I'm found out. I'm fired. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, well, and you were still doing that when we met you. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So until May of 2022, I was not doing, I was doing this full time, but not as my paid gig. And then we had a donor and I mean, we're completely donation based. We don't have like any state funding or federal or anything like that. And so volunteer based. And volunteer based. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone being a volunteer. So we had a donor who came in and just saw the need and was like, you guys are going to do amazing things. You're already doing amazing things, but you're going to do even more amazing things if you can actually focus on this full time. Mm-hmm. So she donated for a salary for me. Which, you know, I'm a humble person, so I didn't need much. But I'm super appreciative. Like, what she has allowed me to do and, like, opened up a whole new opportunity for me to, like, go down to Mexico with you guys for a week and say, yeah, I can do that. Like, I'm not going to have to jump on Zoom calls or do any, you know, schedule rearranging. So it's just been, like, the best thing ever. With it has also come this, like, huge feeling of, like, guilt to me, which everyone tells me not to feel because I am the only person now getting paid to do this. And it is my dream. And it's so many of our volunteers dreams as well. And I want it for all of them. Every person that wants it, I want it for them because they're all deserving. They do this so many hours a week and just like I did. So it's not like I'm any more deserving than any of them. So I feel a little bit of guilt with that. And everyone's always so kind, obviously, in, in telling me that I shouldn't, but I, I do and I will. But it's also come a new level of like, ownership on this thing. Like I want everything to be a certain way without being, you know, hypercritical, obviously. I want everything and everyone who represents the animal pad to just always show us in a good light because we put way too much blood, sweat and tears into this to make it to where we can ever, you know, any be anything different, you know? So it's very important to me that things be a certain way and that we hold ourselves to like a certain level and standard because there's a lot of rescues that don't and a lot of rescues that give rescue a bad name 
Right. You know, yeah, for sure. Honestly. Oh my gosh. Also, tea. We're gonna get into that. I don't even have that written down in my notes, but forgot. We love it, and I want to talk about that. We love a little mixing of drama with the five hundred one c three sprinkle. Oh yeah, always gotta sprinkle it in. <laughs> okay, and so you guys are really heavily concentrated, being in San Diego, super close to the border, very concentrated on Mexico and the need in Mexico. Do you do a lot of work in mainland Mexico or primarily Baja? Primarily Baja. If someone is willing to help a dog get from mainland Mexico to Baja. We can figure it out from there, but we just don't have contacts in. Right. And there's been some people who are like, hey, I'm in Mexico City. I rescued this dog. I will fly this dog back. And we've taken in dogs from, you know, 18 hours south, even further from people who are willing to just figure out a way to get the dogs to us. And that's right. the thing that I'm, I'm always like, if you figure out a way, we will help. But I cannot then be responsible for figuring out a way how to get a dog from so far away here because we just have so many where I could just cross the border and... There's right. so many right there that need us that it's like, if someone's willing to put in the legwork, we will help the dog. And that's just kind of right. how we've been. Well, and that's a great note for all of the van friends that are listening who yeah. go down to Baja. We do get messages from people in Baja year round. Our people that like live in vans or live in some sort of vehicle. And they're like, hey, we found this really cute dog. We love the dog, but yep. it's obviously not being taken care of. Like, can you contact the animal pad or somebody else and see what they can do? And so just, you know, you can't really pass all responsibility onto other people. And so that's a really good note to take for those people that like, if you can can have the dog until you cross it into the U.S., which, by the way, people always have questions. It's, like, the easiest thing in the world. If you want to cross the dog into the U.S., it's not a big deal. And so if you can cross it and get it to the animal pad, then they can at least facilitate what you accept. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the part that frustrates me a lot is that we get so many messages a day. Like, I'm talking hundreds of messages a day saying, please help this dog have a heart. And I'm like, (laughs) are you kidding? What are you doing? Like, you're networking. That is helpful, 100%. But don't guilt people who are actually boots to the ground doing things into, you know, every time I open a message of a dog I can't help, I hurt. Like, it sucks. It's not a nice feeling. Like, really, we pride ourselves a lot on not saying no to many dogs. Like, we don't say no if there's any inkling or chance of us being able to help the dog, honestly. So, but you have to work with us. You have to work with us in terms of we, yeah, I don't have a way to get to you. You know, there's someone just from New Jersey the other week who was like, I have this dog that has this really weird condition that needs surgery that I can't afford. And I want the dog to go to you guys because I don't know any rescues nearby, but like, I'll fly the dog to you. I'll get the dog to you. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, you're doing everything that I would need you to do. So like, Sure. But I can also help you find somebody local that is trustworthy. But if you are dead set on the dog coming to us, like we will help because you're willing to put in all this legwork to make it happen. But so often that's not the case at all. It's like, I found this dog. Can I drop him off to you? And we say yes. But if it's, I, I found this dog and you know, he's in the middle of here and you need to send somebody out to get him. It's like, we just don't necessarily have the manpower. We try all the time when we get messages from dogs in Baja, but we also get messages of people. I'm in the borderline and there's five dogs on the side of the road Mm. eating and they're eating trash. And I feel so bad for them. Can you go get them? And it's like, that's Mexico baby. Like, well, that's, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes people also will send a message of like a very cute, healthy dog. Who's, Maybe not in the best circumstances. Yes, they have ticks and fleas, but like there are so many dogs that need so much more help right. that like, I mean, that does suck. I get that, but it's like yeah. there, 
when you're at full capacity of the ones with broken legs, been hit by cars, have like terrible diseases and things, it's like, what are you going to do about the very, very cute dog who's being taken care of? Because appearance also matters. So when a dog is very cute, more people are inclined to feed it, take care of it and care about it. And so it's like Mm -hmm. the dogs who are covered in mange and stuff like that. Like those are the dogs you really have to take care of. Right. And it's shocking for people. Like I know people go down to Baja and have never been. And that's an experience that is, is shocking. And so, yeah, we get messages of people like, oh, this dog is in this exact spot right now, but I'm leaving. But can you come back tomorrow and get that dog? And I'm like, A, that dog's gone. That's a street dog. They're looking and foraging for food. And B, like, that's all of Baja, like sadly. And the numbers have totally dwindled. Spay and neuter is becoming a thing. Like there's a whole effort there's so many independent rescuers that we work with. Like there's a whole effort to get these dogs well and safe and out of Mexico off the streets. But at the same time you head down there, you're still going to see them. And I feel super insensitive being like, sorry, can't get that dog because that's just the way it is right now. You know, but also I always tell people if you really want to do something and you can't afford to travel with the dog or something, bring a couple extra bags of dog food down into Baja. I always do. And so when we get to Baja, I'm not giving Ella and Pearl's food away, but I'm giving dogs dog food. And like, uh, you taught us the trick of putting a tortilla down and then putting dog food so that it's like a, like they'll eat the tortilla too. It's basically a plate. Yeah, so you're not littering. Exactly. But I do want to talk about how we met. And Henry is sitting next to me, although you have been quiet just because we've been chatting a lot. But I wanted you guys to really talk about how you connected originally the first time we went down to Baja and how this relationship really formed. Because now, I mean, as you guys probably see on our social media, we're like friends with Lauren. We hang out with Lauren outside of just rescue stuff. And so it it is just a fun story. And you know how much we love Baja just van life wise. And so it's a relationship that we care about. Yeah. So, I mean, basically... On our first trip down to Baja, we knew we wanted to do some rescue work, but we we didn't know who to trust in Mexico because there's a lot of good actors and bad actors down yeah. there. And so it's just the last thing we want to do is go down there and give a bunch of money to somebody who's just going to like, who's not going to use it on dogs. Right. And so we know that you guys do all your work in Mexico. And so we trusted you guys. We'd actually donate money to you guys in the past. Yes. And so how did you hear about them? I didn't you ask your followers and like a ton of people tagged the animal pad or something. Yeah. Yeah. We did a, um, like a community giveaway where like people Mm. with the most votes uh, counted and the animal pad, like your community just like completely showed up. Yeah. Yeah. They came through super hard yeah and uh so i was like oh who are these people and then that was part of that was basically how we learned about you guys so when we went down to mexico we decided let's reach out to the animal pad for their expertise because they do work in mexico that way we don't get stuck working with like someone who's not trustworthy right, totally and then basically our partnership began sooner than we had planned because we met all the beach dogs we met the beach dogs yeah. if you guys remember lucy star yeah. that whole group of dogs what do we call the other one turkey yeah, turkey, Lupita, yeah, 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 taco and belly. We yeah. met those dogs. Yes. Exactly. So we met those dogs. On like the some beach. of the best dogs. Some yeah. of the best dogs. Some ever. of the best. Lucy is my favorite dog ever. Yeah. And also, this is also how we were introduced to Press because Lauren yes. was like our Mexico partner that we love and trust is Los Adoptables. Press from Los Adoptables, who we also post a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. She, like he said, she's the contact in Mexico. So Lauren, being on the U.S. side, her and like Press have a very close relationship just between Press catching some dogs and then mm-hmm. like giving them to Lauren and just kind of bouncing back and forth doing the same mission. Yeah. And couldn't be more grateful for that introduction. And yes, obviously totally. to be working with you guys because we love both of you guys so I much. And we feel the same way, obviously. Yeah. It's like changed the rescue and our worlds a lot. So Yeah. So then, yeah, so we saw all the beach dogs 
and you know that was basically like okay like let's see how this partnership works because this was you know there was a lot of potential here because we knew we had plans about going into mexico a lot in the future and like that's basically what we were hoping for and the way that like you and Pris just like showed up and came through, it was like it was no big deal. You guys were like, no, 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 we can, mm-hmm. we can do it. Send us the coordinates. <laughs> yeah. Like you guys showed up with cameras. Like it was you guys are, are great storytellers. The coordination, just like the the no, crates, leashes, yeah. even that. Like I remember opening. Remember the the one shot I have of like I open my door and literally you just see Lauren Pris. <laughs> every like people just walking up to my car, leashing a dog, right. pulling it out, leashing a dog, pulling it out, and it was like me. I remember me and Henry like stepping back, being like, "Oh, this is an operation. This <laughs> we is... know what we're doing. Right. We know a thing but or two. I, I think one thing I take away from that experience is just like how simple it can be if you just really, really try. Because yeah. a lot of the times, you know, there's do we have, you know, do we have space? You guys are foster based. So right. it's like a lot of times maybe you don't have space here at the rescue, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like we'll uh, post something on social media. We'll find fosters for it and we'll figure it out. So yeah. it's, but it's just, and I think that that speaks a lot to like the morale that you guys create is just like, it can be simple. Like if you volunteer with us, we can rescue dogs off the street. Like it, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you guys showed up, Chris showed up to the beach, got the dogs and then we showed up again, got the dogs. And yeah, so that was our first interaction and then we met actually for the first time at Press's and it was yeah. just like smooth sailing ever since it's been great that's exactly how i feel yeah and that's <laughs> how i felt with press too i met her via facetime not knowing anything yeah. and the two of us just immediately clicked and were also felt like friends yeah. and that's kind of what i base it off of because i feel like i've got to have semi-good instincts to be able to do this so like i just felt a connection to her and that's kind of how we do this like if we feel like we vibe with you then we know it's going to be good and you just trust that it's going to be good and just to add on to that transparency like totally Chris is just like oh come into our world let, let us show you what yeah like when mm-hmm. since we started working with press every time we go back the place it looks bigger and better and 100%. It's like, that's a big well, part and that is also a huge it. thanks to team finn mostly thanks to team finn honestly because right they don't you get know, donations from no, Mexico. And we're trying, right. we've tried to support her and make her place better and do what we can because we love her and we love the dogs. But we also have an operation here to think about yeah. that is like, oh my gosh, okay, how can we do this successfully? And then Team Finn coming in and just being able to give a chunk of money that's going to go straight to something that she's been having a headache over. Like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to afford this? I do this by proxy because of Henry. I mean, now I am a part of it, but it always will feel like a gift that Henry kind of gave me and just being in the relationship with Pris is the only relationship that we have that there's like a physical representation of what like that money can do and what we do. But I'm, I really want to drive home the fact to everyone listening and especially people who are already a part of team Finn, but like you are literally making a difference. And even though I don't think we always share what Pris's place looks like, and that's something I should do better at. And the next time we go, we will give a better representation of that because it is something that's visual, but I mean, it's changing the lives of dogs there yeah. and so that donation every month is so important and if you're not already a team a part of team finn we would all be super grateful if you were and if you already are thank you very much yeah it's been super cool to see and 
the gratefulness too that comes from her yeah. and the entire team there and the dogs. Like right. you can feel it. Mm. It's something that you just you yeah, yeah you know is is real and genuine. Right, because it's like when we first went down there, there were maybe ten dogs in a kennel, and now they have a whole new like yep. row of kennels, and now they're it's like quieter. The dogs are more relaxed because now there's only five. Exactly, dogs in a they're spread out. Dogs. There's no one having to fight yeah. over resources. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, and they like like the enrichment areas. Like so, all yep. the dogs have a lot more space oh to like run around where there's grass. And it's like, and each one's named after Finn, Ella, and Pearl. Yeah, right. So So sweet. It's like those like little things, but those are little things that we notice every time we go down there. We're just like, wow. That she's excited to show too. Oh my gosh, she's so excited. And it's nothing fancy. It's like the walls that they built are like made out of recycled tires. Tires, Yeah, it's just like they're. It's just. It's pretty. I also love the resourcefulness. Oh, for sure. Well, because Mexico, there's a lot of litter and there's a lot of like there's tires everywhere. So to be using that as fencing and gates and stuff is actually really cool. And you can just tell she's also trying to stretch that money out to the best of her abilities. She could be blowing it on. Oh, hundred percent. It also is very much volunteer based. And yep. finding that in Mexico is much harder. Oh, absolutely. No one's able to do it out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah. Because they right. need, you know, there's a need, so. Right. And just to reiterate, like, people in Mexico aren't donating money to, no. to yeah. Los Adoptables. Like, the support that she's able to get comes from the U.S. Or, yeah, yeah. The, like, there's a, a retired community I know that yeah. live in mm-hmm. Mexico nearby that volunteer that run the gift shop and help out yeah. that are some of probably her largest donors. But right. again, it's all modest. And Team Finn, this is the largest donation that right. Los Adoptables has ever received and you know i might ever receive and yeah that's that means something that means like so much right right shout out team finn. super cool yeah. shout out team finn again and, and adoptables again. yeah and lauren and pris are like the most two impressive people there's no like more dedicated committed like watching lauren She's sprinting watching. through the streets of well, i'm just saying <laughs> lauren's like running this down the streets of mexico with a with a leash while while pris is like pris is like dodging in her car to try and like the like, get to a dog and they're both just like we're on walkie talkies everyone's yelling everyone's running and it's like it's like all just psycho. to get it is psycho but it's like other people, you know, would be like, you know what, we're going to wait a few weeks. Well, we're going to build a relationship with that dog. And then maybe once it trusts us and it's like Lauren and Chris look at each other and like, we're getting that dog. Yeah, like we are. give us an hour tops and you get the dog almost every time. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it not happen, yeah. but it is, I mean, like Chris is going through caves and yeah, like, 100%. Like, she will do, she'll climb through trash. That was just the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's, they, there is no place they won't go there's no like there's no measure they won't take to get to a dog and every dog matters just as much as the last if we have a car full of six dogs that we just rescued and we see a seventh dog and we do not have space for it it's sitting on lauren's lap because she will not pass she will not pass by that dog and i do feel like sometimes when you see so many every day all day it would be so easy to just get a little desensitized to like okay you know what the car is full that dog is we can't but it's like that dog it's their whole world. And you see that so well that your perspective is so spot on with that. Cause it's like that dog, it doesn't matter less to that dog. Yeah. And so that's, you just... I mean, that's exactly how I feel. It's literally, I, once I see the dog, I start internalizing everything and I'm like, well, they have no chance if not right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and... Because it's, I mean, Mexico, it's like, yeah, they might hang out in the same general areas, but typically when we're seeing a dog on the street, scared shitless like they're not you're not going to see them again there's not an opportunity to come back build a relationship it's like we're gonna 
catch this dog yeah. and it might be traumatizing for this is what we're just we just went through with this whole situation we're dealing with now with this doodle hoarding case and breeder that we literally last week with the help of los adoptables got 111 dogs off of the property so it's exactly the same thing where we look at it and say okay we don't have the opportunity to build a relationship with you time is of the essence we have to get you now and it's going to be traumatizing for you potentially it's going to be traumatizing for us as well like i don't like to capture a dog who, right, right. against their you, will when you say you you're talking about the, the dog. dog yeah, yeah. yes well, absolutely. I, just, I just want to clarify but yes. that's because i think people could see that online and be like what are you doing to the like you know the dog is yeah. terrified it's like yeah the dog is terrified but honestly the dog is better be terrified well, for a minute 100 than, than, than for the rest yeah of and life. sometimes the dogs willingly go and sometimes they're happy to sometimes they don't know what is actually the best thing for them. And I wish we could explain to them as we're like trying to lasso them. Like they normally thank you in the end. They, they always thank you in the yeah, end. Exactly. But like, as you're trying to lasso them and they're like, I look at it from their perspective. They don't know you. They don't know that you are not going to hurt them. Like everybody else has. So somebody just trying to catch them willy nilly with no context at all. Would it be ideal to be able to build a relationship with them? Absolutely. Do we have that chance? No. Do we have the opportunity? Also no. So we just go for it and then know that we're going to take them back. We're going to work with them to decompress. We're going to make them trust us. And they're going to feel really silly. I always tell all the dogs, <laughs> you're going to feel really silly that you put us through <laughs> these dramatics today. Yeah. Because in two days, you're going to be eating on my hand. Like, literally eating food out of my hand and licking my face. And we're going to be buds. So, right. I mean, and it happens. It right. happens. We've never taken in a dog that we haven't been able to break through whatever kind of emotional trauma they've dealt with. Which is, I think, super special, too. Because... We don't give up. And also we take in dogs that are physically broken, but also emotionally broken. And a lot of rescues I know very much cherry pick and, oh, this one's going to be easy to adopt out. Like, let's pull that one. And it's like, those aren't the ones we're looking for. There are plenty of rescues who are doing that and they're needed as well because those dogs deserve it as well. Right. A healthy dog in a shelter. Absolutely. You deserve to get out. And, but the ones good for the rescue brand. hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Yes. But the ones that need the rehabbing in more ways than one, those are the ones that we are looking for. And first yeah. and foremost, and a, and a great example of that, that I always refer back to is Simba, the dog yeah. that basically like blew up on social media. We, that we, that Sydney, you know, remember Sydney, like put her hand out and like, which I love that. And I don't care what kind of shit you got for that. I love oh, I that care. because that is what I do. Right. You're always taking a risk. Every time right. you well, get a dog, you're always were, taking a risk. Yeah. People were like, if that dog would have bit her, they would have put him down. I'm like, no, we wouldn't. Over never. any of our dead bodies. Yeah, as if a dog biting me would, I, if a dog ever would bite me, I would immediately think that was my that was fault. My fault. Yep. Should not have done that. Well, Lesson and learned. that's the problem with how a lot of dogs end up in the shelter. It is people's fault. Mm -hmm. And then they bite and then they end up in the shelter because they don't want a dog that bites. Right. And it's like, you, what did you do? I always, I feel like I'm so pessimistic in the opposite way. When I hear a dog bit someone, I'm like, what did they do? Yeah. yeah. What did they do to cause it? Because, right. you know, and, well, and so, so Simba, not, by the way, not to say that some bites no, are not, I was just going to say that is not always the case, yes. but that is where my dog obsessed mind goes. And I realized very much that it's not always the case. But, uh, but. you know, and you also should learn dog, like, you know, I, sometimes kids walk up to Ella and Finn and their parents are nowhere to be seen. Right. And I'm like, you're lucky our dogs are good with you because 100%. your kid can't be coming up to my dog, grabbing her face. Right. Like, right. right. But what I was saying is that Simba, the dog that looked like a hyena when yeah. we first got mm -hmm. him, like turned out to be very reactive. Like, like when you touched him, like physical touch around the head. Right. And so that dog ended up in your guys's foster care, working with one of your trainers 
for about a year and yeah. a half yeah. before it got adopted. And uh, he got adopted like six months ago or something right. like that. But like, that's a dog that, I'm sorry, but any other rescue, that dog probably would have been euthanized. Uh-huh. Right. Who are we going to adopt this dog to? This dog bites people. This dog bites people. How is, you know, and then, but you guys found someone. You guys never gave up on Simba. And you guys had him in foster care for a year and a half. That's insane. And then found someone who, like, had a connection, had a history yeah. with, with a dog with a bite history. And, like, connected with the dog because he used to have chow chows. And yep. it's like Simba found his home. The Simba's exact person. That, and yeah. that's the sad thing is there is, I, I will never not believe that there is not one person out there for every dog. It's a matter of finding them. And it's very hard. And I understand a lot of rescues don't have the resources. Right. We don't also necessarily have the resources. We just commit to a dog and we say, we're not going to fail them, we figure it out. you know, and we figure it out. That's yeah. literally my favorite phrase always is we'll figure it out. Yeah. I know you've heard it from me a million times, but like that's the entire team knows that that's like my motto. And that's what I say. And in addition to like, it's fine with the flames, just like <laughs> dumpster fire coming around us. But yeah, like we will figure it out and we do time and time again, figure right. it out. Is it easy? Hardly ever. Right. Is it worth it? Always. 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 Right. Like when we're down in Mexico and the dog count, it gets like above 10. Yeah. Right? Lauren, can we take this dog? We'll figure it out. Yeah, like exactly. the dog's at 20. And that's why I have out? nine dogs at my house. Right. And I hope my landlord's <laughs> not listening. But was, that's other than honestly, that. I was going to ask you later how many dogs you had. I knew you had yeah, nine. Yeah, there's nine. Oh, I also, I feel like we are, I mean, we're, we always are hyping up the animal pad, but I also don't want anyone to uh, not donate because we're painting this picture as if they have this huge community and this committed community and Team Finn is always to the rescue. We donate like once, maybe twice a year. And the animal pad, specifically Lauren, spends that money before she even has it so like 100%. not That's to say that, not to say that they are better financially off than other rescues at all if you know there's a dog that needs a ten thousand dollar surgery or care lauren will promise to take care of the dog before she has that ten thousand dollars so there's always a negative they're always they're yeah. always in need they always need the donation they are no better off than any other rescue so yeah. i just don't want to paint a picture as if you guys are like some i appreciate that yeah, because we're definitely I, not <laughs> luckily we have a lot of good relationships with San Diego partner vets who know that we're going to be good for it someday. So, <laughs> so we, we, uh, they, you know, they work with us and they also fall in love with our dogs because how can you not like, I mean, and some of them just have shit end of the stick time and time and time again. And they go through a procedure and you think like, Oh, that's all they're going to need. And then it's like, well, they've now developed this and it's like, well, shit. Right. So again and again with just continued care for some of these dogs that, when you first say, oh, yeah, we're taking on that dog might be, you know, X amount of money that very easily. It never is less than what we anticipate, but it always can very easily like quadruple in a matter of like right. one ER visit to right. where you're like, OK, this is going to be something here. So, yeah, luckily we have partner vets that love our dogs as well and work with us in that way. But, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of not a lot of help otherwise. And everyone some of our biggest donors are our volunteers because we fall in love with the dogs. We care right. about them and you want them to get everything they need. And we know that they're going to, but it's a matter of, you know, we're hustling 24 seven over here. So yeah, it, that's, that's a, a big point for sure. Yeah, for sure. Also, I don't, is this the lamest point to make, but I feel like people might not know, or they just forget that donations are tax deductible. So I feel no, like that's a great, all, all of our like point. freelancing friends and people who have to pay a shit ton in taxes, donations will help to some degree with yep. that. So if you would rather donate it than pay taxes on that money, then I'm just, it's just a random, random little 
Mm-hmm. Incentive, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just to incentivize a little yep. bit. So with all of this type of work that we're talking about, and you guys, I mean, you do specialize in the broken dogs and the more heartfelt cases and stuff. What is your experience with, like, what well, we call it compassion fatigue. I don't know if everyone knows really what that means. It really is just the mental exhaustion of you're always seeing devastating things. You're always, you're putting yourself in the position to, uh, for your heart to break every single day. And it's never enough. And it's never enough. And then the dogs could still pass away and things can happen. So, you know, what is your experience feeling that yourself? Uh, Because it also, compassion fatigue drives people away from things like rescue. They do it for a little while. They have to take a step away because it's taking a toll on their mental health. So whether it's other volunteers or or whatever, whatever you have to speak on that. Yeah. I definitely feel that. (laughs) I feel like... I see people in rescue that I'm friends with all the time who do have to take a step away and do need to, for their mental health, do these kinds of things. I feel like physically ill thinking about being, about doing that, about stepping away. Like Mm -hmm. that makes me more stressed out than what I'm doing today because I'm super one of those, like once you, once you know, you can't unknow. And the only way that I'm not doing rescue for the rest of my life is if I'm like, move to Bora Bora and I'm just like not speaking to anyone and I'm just living a hermit life and that's not me and I don't care about that and that's you know so there's no world that I'm not doing this I know that but I do totally feel compassion fatigue and I have made some steps as of recent to like really try to help with that and there's actually a coach that I don't think she's based here in San Diego but she does online courses for compassion fatigue so I actually bought a course for our like core team of directors to be able to work this program and of course one of the only people that started it so far because we've just been overwhelmed and busy is Shelby which (laughs) Shelby's our adoptions director and they they know Shelby well so that's why I bring her up but um Shelby has started the course and has said it's been hard because it makes you realize like, okay, yeah, like I am feeling, I am feeling a hundred percent, but she said it's been helpful. So I'm excited to start it. I was like, I'm starting it and the new year. And then we rescued 111 doodles. So I have not started it yet. I'm looking to start it. I'm excited to start it. Luckily, I'm very afraid to start it. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to start it. Cause I know I'm going to have some like hard realizations in this thing, but I know I need to, and I have not prioritized my mental health at all, which is awful. And this is the year, hundred percent that I get a therapist, hundred yes. percent. This is the year that I start doing these things for myself because I need to, because everyone is telling me that I can be better for the dogs if I'm better for myself. And I know this is true. And, but there's been times recently when I've put my foot down and said, listen, I want to help our team always. And I've had to say for my own mental health, I cannot come to our facility every day because I have nine dogs at home. I have my own kennel shift going on in my house that I need to take care of. And those dogs need me and they deserve it. And I have a lot going on. So I cannot be so readily available to step in when somebody can't show up. And so we just need everyone to kind of rally together. And we, we have a great team for that and it's fine, but you know, and I get side messages of like, I'm proud of you for saying that because I don't say it often, but yeah, I felt it. I am working toward dealing with it, but I feel like the busyness of just constantly go, go, go. Like it's hard to find time to like actually feel the feelings in, in the moment you don't. And that's kind of what the the rescue I keep talking about, the doodle one that we just did this week because it's so fresh on the mind. Like I had to do a, an interview. The news reached out, wanted to like cover this story, which is amazing because 
a lot of people here in San Diego were getting their dogs from this woman, really just awful conditions. And we want to make people aware. So in the middle of the story, I honestly started talking about, I started talking about a dog that was so severely matted that he, his kid mats over his eyes and the, the breeder was telling us, good luck getting him. I've never been able to touch him. And he's a weirdo. He's all these things. And so, of course, when she said that, I'm like, we're getting this. You're like, that's dog. mine. Like, this is my dog here. Sure. Like, he's coming with us. So we got him. It was not pretty. Obviously, this is one of the cases where I was like, oh, like we're traumatizing them prior to giving them a great life. And it's just it's worth it. But it sucks. We wish it could be different. So we got him here. I put him in a yard. He like froze in fear. And I was like, I'm going to pet him. Like, I just I don't not want to take this opportunity to give him human touch that he hasn't had in Maybe his whole life. Cue the dog trainers. <laughs> yes. I have a lot of respect for dog trainers. There are dog trainers who volunteer and are very involved with the animal pad. We, I have nothing but good things to say about most dog trainers. Right. We are not teaching these dogs to sit, stay, come, No, heal. we're showing them compassion and yeah. love for the first time and ever. So, it's yes. much different. Yes. I it's under, a matter of the heart. It is. There is, sometimes I guess it could be frivolous, but it is like, you have to sometimes be there to like understand a certain energy or emotion. Yes. And that's how I felt with Simba. Like, yes. Something just told me that Simba was not going to bite me, right. and he definitely could have. I'm not saying that he definitely wasn't going to, but, like, in that moment, I just wanted him to know what love felt like, yep. and it, he did not bite me, you know, and, it like, it went well. But the same thing with this dog. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course, you're always taking a risk, but, yeah. like, that dog deserves to feel human right. touch. And, I mean, I am looking at his body language. Like, if, I have, to, if I have to freaking tuck and roll, I'll do it. Like, I don't <laughs> care. But, again, I know the position I'm putting myself in. And he was frozen. I went up and I just wanted him to see something. I knew he had mats over his eyes, dreadlocks. I just wanted him to see something. So I literally just moved his hair away from his eye and I just made eye contact with him. And I, I became so emotional because I was thinking he hasn't seen probably anything in front of him in maybe years and definitely hasn't seen a human who is looking him in the eyes with, who, kindness. with kindness. Yeah. And it made me super emotional. So I was saying this on the news Crying. And I literally started sobbing. She's like, tell me what you're feeling in this moment. Oh and I was like, God. I have not processed this at all. And I'm not ready to. But, <laughs> but that's my goal for 2023. Yeah, that's my 2023 New Year's resolution. <laughs> I literally told her, I was like, "There's, it's a mix of so many emotions when you do something like this. Because you're ultimately so happy. But also sad for the ones that didn't ever make it out of that no situation place. yeah so also a good bad. note for the breeder situation though i mean obviously we're all three pro rescue here right. but ella came from a breeder several years ago which we can also touch on the fact that inclusivity with van life and like you know trying to rescue dogs but if you do get a dog from a breeder you're committed to that that is okay love the dog that's all we care about but make sure you know exactly who you're getting right. a dog from you should definitely do your due diligence get past reviews on the person look them up see the circumstances the dogs are living in prior to ever even getting your dog yeah. there are definitely steps you can take to responsibly get a dog 100 percent. a cool part of this with you know being a part of this rescue of all of these doodle dogs is that we've had so many people reach out and say i got my dog from that woman and the second that I read and, you know, we didn't ever name her in any of our posts, anything like that. Um, never got into super details. Oh, you guys are and too good. I would. People. And I mean, I, at one point I will, we just like, she's kind of at large right now. We don't really you know like, give it to me where right she is. What's happening. Do you want the exclusive? I'll, I mean, I'll tell you the page is called Baja doodles. Okay. It was something else prior, but she changed it recently. She goes by Christina Stick was the first name she went by. You can find a bunch of stuff under that. Oh my God, but, living for the exclusive. But her name 
now what that she's going by, one of many aliases probably right. is Annette Rose now is her name. If you Google the name Annette Rose now, you will see that she's been arrested in the U.S. She's from Germany, but you'll see she's been arrested in the U.S. for multiple breeding just but bad. No, no judgment, but the video that I saw of her, like, not a person I'm getting my dog from. At all. She so looks she like someone. Online. So, I know, but yes. if I went to go get a dog and that is who I was encountering, and by this so I no- mean she physically looks like a disaster. Yes. yes. And she's screaming profanities. <laughs> and she's throwing things at the dogs. I mean, what we saw was crazy. Like, yeah. what, I, what I posted and what we saw, two different things. Because, honestly, it's something that sticks with you that most people don't want to see. With her specifically, she was posting to puppyfine.com, which is a website Uh. where you can see these puppies. And of course, they don't look like they're coming from these conditions. They're beautiful little doll baby puppies that are actually living in hell and you just don't know it. But, you know, she's using an app that like has a background to where it's just a puppy sitting there. You can't tell at all where they're coming from. And so she's using the uh, puppyfind.com amongst other places to actually sell the puppy. And then I'm not even going to hire I feel like that's where I saw Ella. It's probably where it's a but lot I of did people. See, I know but where Ella came from. It's not a legitimate website. It just means that some of the people on there are bad. Yes. Know, but when you so said it, that, it is a legitimate website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and I ton- saw the farm you that as a breeder. Right. Yes. And you as a breeder can like sign up to show your dogs on this website. Um, so she did. And yeah, I mean, you would never know if you looked at her posts mm. that these are the conditions the dogs were living in. I but mean, it looked like the Tijuana slums. 100%. I mean, it's gnarly. And so... For 111 dogs. Yes. It's yes. like one thing to have a few dogs. Yeah, right. For multiple litters living in the same room. Moms that are just perpetually pregnant or perpetually nursing dogs. Because with a mama dog's body, if you have them around puppies, they will just keep producing milk. Right. So these moms were like random ass moms. These are not even the moms of the litters and they're all in a puppy room and they're all just producing milk probably so she could save money on puppy food. When we went in and removed the dogs, I didn't have to jump on her bed so hard. I thought I was going to break it because dogs were hiding under the bed and it's a king size bed and we were trying to break them out. The only thing in this house was like a king size bed. Right, right. And so we were scaring them out. And then as we were scaring them out, which obviously didn't feel good either, we had team members there to like catch them. And these dogs, they're super sweet now but when i tell you they were like vicious they were so afraid of us it was awful it was really sad so but no yeah. socialization obviously. none none yeah. which is like crazy because um, they're around a billion dogs great with dogs they're they've all been super great with mm. dogs but with people no it was just her and she didn't treat any of them very nicely even the ones that slept in bed with her so right. yeah it was very crazy but yeah puppyfind.com that's where she had all of them posted but we've had people reach out to us saying i got my puppy from her two three years ago and Back then, the communication was great. She was checking in with me, uh, but she does have people cross the border because she's not allowed back in the U.S. All the dogs have been removed. Luckily, everyone's good. We don't have to think about that property What did the property look like? What was it? Did it smell disgusting? Poop everywhere? So when we showed up for the first time, she had apparently been cleaning for three days. And they they had brought out 20 giant trash bags of shit. Uh, And that was the day prior. Uh, The neighbor told us all of this, that they were cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. When we first arrived, it actually didn't look bad. And I said, how does she have this many dogs? And there's not just shit everywhere. Then the second time we came back, which was two days later, there was a ton of diarrhea because we had brought them food and it was high quality food and they had not been eating that. So then they're all having diarrhea as they transition to this food. 
yeah, it, and then they were, they were having diarrhea and it was messy, but she had really cleaned the property and tried, but it still was hell. And then when we were able to go in without her supervising is when we were able to go in the actual house and saw like the puppies that were living in those conditions and all of the mamas just in there. And it was just like very horrific. And it was like a scene out of a scary movie because there were red, she had like, I guess there were heat lamps, like red lights everywhere. And when you walk into this room, it's just eerie. It's just completely dark, but red. It's just a red room. One of our volunteers just, had a nightmare about this room the yeah. night the night after. It just sounds she like, was like I'm ha- I had a true nightmare about the room that I couldn't get out of the room. And I'm like, this is, and this is again why we need therapy. This right, is literally right. like the stuff that sticks with you that you're right. like, oh, I thought I was good, but like clearly I'm not good. You and, know? Then, and then this kind of stuff can be normalized in, to some extent. And then that's where like the fatigue comes in. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, the one thing that I always kind of compare it to a little bit is like first responders, like, like nurses during COVID when they're overwhelmed by cases and then it's just, then all of a sudden they have to make really hard decisions. Right. And that's like sort of what animal rescue can look like all the time. Yeah. There's totally. never enough space. There's never enough beds or yeah, it's crisis. Yeah, it's, it's crisis always, all the always time. scrambling. Can we all agree that we're doing the best we can? Right. Like, exactly. right. Under, under these circumstances, under limited resources, like under limited space, like we're doing the best we can. And that's why like, you know, DMs and things like that, where people are just like, they're not doing enough. It's like, and honestly, you can say all that you want that you exactly, but you can say all you want that you don't let it get to you. But like, there is a point when it gets to you where you're just like enough, like seriously enough. This doodle thing probably feels like that. The doodle thing, honestly, more positives than negatives with the way I feel about the way that people are taking it. Uh, But of course we're getting the comments like, well, why are you bringing dogs in from Mexico? Like there's such a need here. And it's like, we always get this as well. And anyone that shames any kind of person that's helping dogs anywhere to me is just ridiculous. Like they don't really have a place yeah, in dogs our don't have citizenship. Either. Right. Exactly. Dogs. But if you, if you're mad that a rescue group is going and rescuing dogs anywhere and you have something to say about it, then you don't really have a place on our page, in our community, any of these things to begin with, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's also, it's, we're not there's, you cannot, I'm sorry. There is a great need in the U S sure. You cannot compare you the way compare. Americans look at dogs and the way, or sorry, not even just Americans, whoever's in the U.S. Right. You, like, you cannot compare how we perceive dogs and treat dogs. Like, the dog that we just rescued on Christmas Eve had a car of people trying to capture her. We're running around the streets right. trying to get her. The police showed That's, up. Yeah. The police showed up because yeah. there was a call about a stray dog. There, in a matter of probably the first hour of it being on the street, it had at least five people coming to try and get it. Right. In Mexico, it is astronomically different. You'll see a dog crossing the street every hour when we're driving around. A dog is trying to cross the street and people are speeding up. Right. Like, they do not care. And if they you're hit just the dog. like, please, I do not want to see a dog get hit right, right. now. Like, well, and there's just there, praying that they don't decide to just jump out in front of a car. Yeah. Think they're going to make it There across. are plenty of people in Mexico who love dogs. I want to make sure that, you know... That are helping, yeah. That are helping, and they, they yeah. have pets, and they love their dogs, and, like, they would never do anything, like, to put their own dogs in harm's way and stuff. But you cannot compare our perception of dogs to Mexico's perception of right. dogs. It's just... And so it's totally different. The comparison world. is infuriating, because, like, honestly, the need here is, in, in my mind, and it's a personal opinion, but it's nothing to compare to, yeah. to Mexico's Yeah, no, I need. agree. 
So this does not just apply to like breeders though. We were talking earlier, I said we were gonna spill the tea of the rescues as well. Just because you rescue a dog doesn't always mean it's a good rescue. I haven't heard too many things about ones in America being like tr like too terrible, but I know in Baja there are a few that just are not good to the dogs. They also just like use dogs to get donations and things like that. Right. What, what has been your experience with that too? In Mexico, there's no real way to hold people accountable in the same way as here. Yeah. So like you can be a rescue in Mexico yeah. saying before we worked with Pris, we worked with a shelter that was awful that they would have dogs in cages bleeding out and they would post video. We need to rush this dog to the vet. A ton of people would donate and then the yeah. dog would die at their shelter and then they would, who knows what they're doing with the money. Yeah. I don't think you can get away with that in the same way here. Right. Because mm -hmm. you have to, I we guess we laws. are held more accountable. Yeah. But in Mexico, they could just fully, you know, I mean, no one's really coming and looking at them going, where are you spending that money? You know, um, it, no one's getting audited and right. there's not a lot of things in terms of that. So I do feel like here probably less, but like we have worked with shitty rescues here. Like we were tainted to working with rescues for a while. We were like, we don't really want to like have our name affiliated with other rescues because we don't really trust. And I don't like having that. I, I like being collaborative. And there's been some really cool ones that we've actually found over the past couple of years that we would work with whatever they needed, transport, help, whatever, sharing, you know, any of that stuff. But like, we also aren't just going to share stuff from any old anything. I mean, you know, and that goes for everything because we only want to put out stuff that is credible and right. where you can feel good about helping, For sure. donating, whatever. So we've gotten pretty lucky with the rescues that we've worked with. They're all, that must I mean, be hard though. Like fielding hard. these different, because yeah, you don't really know. You're just talking to somebody from the organization being like, they seem legit, but right. it's like, well, yeah. he does not take it lightly at all. He, yeah. he does like hours and hours and hours of research. Like yeah, he's that's, like, I mean, the only way you could days, do it. Days digging into a rescue before he ever gives them a dollar. And yeah, like, that's, I mean, it's great. And like, you know, we'll look at the social media, but, but like the shelter that you're talking about in Mexico, like they have a big social media. They do. They uh, do have a big following. We're not going to name them, but, or should we? We can yeah. name them. Yes. Or, or, yes. Name. Give them the yeah, name. Yeah, I don't care. Drop, drop names, So baby. I don't want people supporting them, to be honest. So that's what absolutely. I'm saying. We yeah, should be right. naming these people because yeah. that, that's, yeah. I don't want to go too hard, I guess, on like the worst parts of rescues, but right. it is worth people knowing who to donate to, who to work with. Like yeah. it, that is so important. So blast them. Yeah. So they're called <laughs> Eos Son La Razon, which honestly sounds so sweet. Like wait, hold when on. I, Say it again and slower. Eos Son La Razon. And it means they are the reason. And so that sounds so sweet to me. I heard that and I was like, they are the reason. They are. Right. But no, they're not the reason necessarily for this <laughs> The for money's this the reason. Right. The money's the reason. Yeah. Lauren is willing to work with every single rescue ever who, is, has yeah. the, who shares the mission. This is a bad apple. This yes. is a bad we, rescue. We worked with them for years and it got to the point where I was the only person on the team that would talk to the woman who runs the place because she was just infuriating. And what was my final straw was when I saw a dog that she had posted on social media that had TVT. It was very clear to me. We deal with a lot of cases that have this cancer that is contagious and it's called TVT. It's transmissible venereal tumors. And they just develop tumors that pop up all over their body. And this dog had tumors all over his body, all over his face. They were oozing. They were bloody. I looked at him and I immediately knew that's TVT. And so it's something that's sexually transmitted. You see it in places that street dog populations are heavy. So knew it, 
without a doubt, I'm no vet, but I was like, I know TVT when and I see it. And you love TVT dogs. And I love TVT dogs, yes. Right. So I see this, I'm like, that's TVT. We can help that. It's chemotherapy treatment. We do it in-house here at our facility, and it is super easy on the dogs, and they almost always recover. Almost always. So I said to her, I reached out to her and said, hey, I would love to take this dog. Like, I see that you're asking for donations. I'll just take the dog and to our facility here. We'll do the treatments. You keep the money. Whatever donations have come in, we're not asking for anything. I just want to take the dog because I didn't trust that anything good was going to happen to the dog there. And she tells me, oh, the dog's already at my vet getting treatment. And I just like, obviously just had a sinking feeling that was not the case. So I know a woman who was volunteering there and I just sent her the photo and said, Hey, can you see if this dog's at the shelter? And she sent me a video. Yep. Here he is right here sitting, just bleeding, just miserable, miserable in crates sitting in a wall of crates. When I tell you there's like probably 400 dogs in the shelter and 290, (laughs) like, I mean, it's like they probably have room for over a little bit over a hundred dogs in these kennels. They're in crates and they're, they're smashed in crates. They're crammed, sometimes multiple in crates. It's awful. They have conditions and are not getting treated. They're sitting, that's suffering. That is not, you know, they'd be far better off euthanized, honestly. And coming from me who tries everything, fights tooth and nail to make that well, they're not. they're just making them suffer. You think? They are. They're suffering and they're perpetuating it. It's awful. So the dog was in a kennel and I wrote her and I said, I know the dog's still at your shelter. Please let me pick up the dog. She said, nope, dog's taken care of. And I said, that's the end. Like I cannot for my own mental health. Right. This was me being like, okay, boundaries. I cannot work with you any longer because you are going to drive me into complete, like, I mean, I just, devastation. And so we stopped working with her. And I think about those dogs all the time. They're on the way to the shelter when we visit Pris. And I see the street that we would turn on. And I think about those dogs all the time. And I get sick and I can't think about it too long because I honestly... How can you know about those dogs and not help them? That was my argument for so long. And then it turned into how can we help them? Because right. even in helping them, air quotes, we're not able to help them. Right. Like and, they're not letting us. And just so everyone is clear, like, of course, if if they were invested in the health and well-being of this dog, they would give the dog 100%. to you. But and they're I'm not. not they we're not coming dog- in as Americans saying we do better. We know better. If she really was getting the treatment in Mexico. I would have said, okay, I'm going to just shut my mouth and just right. back off of but this. She wasn't. Right. And she sees value in holding on to this dog because she could post more about yeah. this dog. And, Continue to and post. Like, this dog, oh, you know, they're posting urgency yep. posts yep. and say, like, we need donations. We need donations. Yep. So And probably have 10 grand come in. I'm not even kidding. Right. Because exactly. a lot of their donors are U.S. people. Right. While this who dog have is money. bleeding. And the dog's is... dying and none of the money's going to the dog. Right. So exactly. we eventually were like, this, we are now perpetuating this problem right. by helping enable this woman. Right who's evil to just do these things again and right. again and again. And she probably and has a whole a roster of dogs just like that. Yep. It got to a point where, I mean, you know, and the dogs we would take from her place had so many needs. Yeah. And I miss those dogs because I know that we were their only chance. Right. And so now I just can't think about it too much. And it breaks my heart because yeah. what and are you going to do? And the last thing I'll add is to this case is that like, this is a person who has a lot of followers on social media. Absolutely. This is a person who gets a lot of donations from America. So, a lot. So on all of so, their donations. Right, yeah. So on social media, this is a person that looks legitimate. And that's what I mean that like when we were go- trying going down in Mexico, how do we navigate this space when there's really bad actors right. that like 
from our perspective, you know, we're on social like media. They're doing oh, everything this could right. be very legit. But I guarantee yeah. you, if we were to, if we would have partnered with them, they probably would have been like, "No, you're not allowed into the facility. You're not allowed to see this. Oh, no, no yeah. cameras. No, you no can't. cameras. And no visitors." I no. would get yelled at for what I posted on social media, which were just right. simple videos from our volunteers that would go down. Right. Um, you need to take that off. I'd be like, that is what your shelter looks like. Like, right. I'm sorry if you don't. But yeah, it, w- it would be crazy. It was just a point of complete, we have to part ways. And yeah, I mean, when you look at the social media, you think that they're doing everything they can for the dogs. And, you know, they don't have much. So, you know, they're doing the best they can. They are not doing the best they can. I can tell you that much because dogs are suffering and they're not trying for them and they're getting the money. They used to pull this stunt where like every couple months they'd say, we're closing because we don't have any money. We're shutting down. And then a huge influx of donations would come in. And then she would tell me, we made 10 grand today, so we don't need to shut down. We're good for another week. Yeah, until it happens until, again. Until we say that again. Same with food. We need food. We need food. We need food. A volunteer like went undercover and showed us that they were selling the food we donated at a street fair oh my God. for money. While they're posting saying that the dogs are Are starving. starving. Well, didn't Kristen Bell post about them? them? Yes, they did. Yes. Kristen Bell, who, by the way, I love. We all love. And we all messaged Kristen Bell and said, please don't post about them. Like, if only you knew. And if you want to post about somebody, we can tell you who to post, you know. I'm sure she just didn't do any research. She has no idea what she's And she just sees what everyone else sees on social media, which looks legitimate and looks like they need help. And she's like, you know, this is the least I can do. And it's like, yeah, but that's... Yeah, it's actually worse. It's not, it is. Yeah. Okay, well, so as we wrap up slightly, let's talk about more positive things. Yeah. Henry, what do you have to ask? (laughs) Any feel-good questions and moments? No. (laughs) Actually, we're all just sad over here, yeah. (laughs) We're all just drinking and sad at 12. (laughs) How about let's share uh, the most turnaround story. Who's your most improved? Like a dog who you you didn't know was going to make it or something. I don't know. And then just turn around. There's been so many that I thought were going to not make it that I didn't want to get my hopes up about that. Like then just prove to us. And again, like we, I know I mentioned like euthanasia earlier and we try to avoid that at all costs. Obviously we don't want a dog to suffer, but sometimes a little bit of suffering has to happen for the dog to then make this miraculous turnaround, you know? And you've seen it um, so many times. We've seen it so many times, and that's why I don't give up hope on them. But our vets have argued with me. We've had, like, full-blown, and now they kind of don't question us because they're going to just, like, they know what they're doing, I guess. Like, we'll see how this one goes. And then time and time again, we are just, like, so impressed with these dogs, and we're all proved wrong, and we love it. And so the number one dog I can think of, her name is Florence. She's, like, one of the first ones that became, like, you know, America's darling on social media. Mm. She's such a bitch of a dog, which (laughs) we love her. She's a diva. I made a whole persona for her on our Instagram where um, there was another dog undergoing the same TVT treatment at the same time who was like an angel. Mm -hmm. And then there was her that was like the one that we would say would like bust out of her room here at the facility and like go clubbing and like be smoking cigarettes outside. And like we had a whole story about her because she was just a punk. But in the best way, because she came to us as this frail, like so emaciated. I've never seen a skinnier dog in my life. She had a giant tumor on her head that had busted through the skin and it looked like a crater. I carried her into the ER and she came from Mexicali and Mexicali has some of the worst cases we have ever seen. Just a lot of neglect over there. And so I brought her into the ER immediately. The smell coming like out of her tumor. I Mm. had people like just, it was insane. I had people stopping, staring at me. When you carried her in, a like cloud of flies just came with you. It was bad. 
She was in awful shape. They basically said, what are you guys doing keeping this dog alive? And I said, hear me out. She's eating. I just want to give her like a night. Can you just make her comfortable and not be in pain that I'm sure she's in? And they said, yes. So they did. And then we brought her back to our facility. She ate everything. I, I mean, we were, people were sending her gift cards for McDonald's. She was getting El Pollo oh Loco. And then people were, of course, like, that's not very healthy. And we're like, you know what? We don't know if she's going to live. So let the girl eat yeah, what she ha- wants. Let her have a chicken nugget. Yeah. So then her tail's wagging as she's so skinny, like it looks like it could break off. Then she's gaining, it was, I mean, it's sick. It was sick. Then she's gaining weight slowly, but surely she became a brand new dog. And to the point where, you know, the tumor shrunk with chemotherapy. She now, she had to have a surgery to like close up the little remainder crater hole that was left uh, just for infection purposes. She looks stellar. She looks amazing. And you would never know what she went through at all. Will you send um, me a picture of her? I will send you okay. before gonna, and after. I'm, I'll post it's it. It's so crazy. That, okay. Yes. Yes. I'll post it so people can see. Yes. It's insane. But she, just her spirit, like, and that's what, that's what I love about what we do in the, Uh, probably what's a little bit different than maybe other rescues is like we listen to the dog and we say, what do you want dog? What do you, what are you trying to do here? Are you ready ready for the biggest challenge of your life? Cause it's going to be hard, but if they are, which they almost always are, then we're like, okay, we're going to give them a little bit of time. And then they just keep improving. They keep improving. They show us that they are alive and they are willing to work for it. Resilient. Exactly. So resilient. And so with that, we are like, we'll fight as long as you will. And that's just kind of the motto. We'll fight as long as they will. She fought the entire time. And now she's killing it. She's great. She's adoptable. She just had a surgery to close up. And she just became adoptable pretty recently. So she is, yeah, she's on our website. Her name's Florence. You will never believe what she looked like. Oh God, she's amazing. Her. And she's seriously, she shouldn't be with other dogs because she's kind of, she just wants to be the queen bee. But she's she's awesome. She's so well-mannered. She's what kind of dog? a good dog. She honestly looks like a white lab mix but she's more like like a lab shepherd she's okay. such a mexi mutt but she's awesome i love 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 her yeah that was a transformation that i didn't know was gonna happen i wasn't very confident in that one i mm-hmm. was like we'll just keep going we'll just keep going but she did it all love it we love yeah. florence so i guess two questions the first to respond to what that story you just said is how <laughs> would you describe like the brand, like Baja dogs as a brand, like what are they like? How would you describe them? How are they mm, different than like, that's really, than like a one. res dog or like a Puerto Rican dog? That to Look your at Abby's face right now. And then, I, and then I have one follow up. She's like, I'm the Baja dog. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Baja. Then I have one follow up. She wants to speak that. for okay. herself on the brand. Yeah, Abby, what do you think? Let Abby, I'll talk and then you tell me if, I'm, <laughs> if I've got it all <laughs> there wrong. We go. Okay. So for me, and again, I have the most experience with Baja dogs right. over any other type but the gratefulness that these dogs have and just the resilience that we kind of talked about with Florence but the gratefulness I've never experienced with any dog I've I've only had rescue dogs and I've only you know I mean majority of the people in my life have rescued dogs and there's a big difference I will say between the dogs from Baja and then just your average old rescue dog. And I love all of them, but the dogs from Baja just have a very special, it's just like... Very spicy? I don't think that they're spicy. Some of them can be. We see the spice start to come out after they're like adopted and like in their home. And then they're like, these are my people. These are all my things. And I deserve this. And it's like, yeah, you're so grateful. The gratitude gratitude does not go away. It is is unmatched. I totally feel that. Because I feel like when you come from so little, and a lot of these dogs do, like you know, in other places as well, but coming from so little and then 
it's just like, I feel like they're constantly just like, I mean, to kind of quote you, like, wow. Like, yeah. they're always just in right. in complete awe that this is their life. Yeah. And, like, that is something that doesn't go away. You don't ever see it go away with them. Right. And it's so cool to provide that life for them, but also to, like, be a part of so many of these dogs changing people's lives. Because so many of our adopters are like, mm-hmm. I have never had a dog like this. And I will never probably love... And that that's how I feel. I mean, I lost two dogs this year that were like my heart and soul dogs and Gus was my first one and I've had him since he was six months old and he was from Barrio Logan down here in San Diego not a Baja guy I love him and I will always love him and miss him and he was like I didn't ever think I'd love a dog on that same level he ever. was like your fin dog he was yeah totally but then I met Simon and he proved me wrong that I could love two dogs the same way which I honestly never thought was possible and I think it's so much of because Simon did, ha- you know, was a Baja dog that that's just the gratefulness of. Oh my God. Simon him. was so grateful. Like I know. you could just, and Henry and I had the privilege of getting to meet Simon. We did not meet Gus. You never met Gus, right? I don't no. think so. Gus. Yeah. Gus, yeah. Gus was like, Gus got to a point again where he was like too bougie for the rescue dogs I had in my house. Like he'd go stay with my parents and right. be like. We don't, we don't foster dogs. Well, like, Simon, uh, you do, but like, we don't. Yeah, we yeah do. and Simon was a distempered dog, which for that being a pillar of the animal pad as well, we haven't even really touched on, which we don't have to go into too much, but you also have kind of an affinity for the distempered dogs, which yes, is a absolutely. neurological disorder, right? A disease yeah. disorder. It ends in the neurological phase, but it starts as like a GI and then it goes respiratory and right. then it ends neurological. And some dogs don't ever make it there. Most pass away in the respiratory phase. Like they have to become, they get pneumonia so bad they become oxygen dependent and then they don't ever survive. So like these dogs are like the survivors of the survivors. And actually it's so funny. We have a youth program that we started here and I was a part of like giving a tour to these kids and the coordinators said, okay, when we go around, you're going to say your name and which dog you would be and why, which dog breed you are and why. And I said, Distemper. I'm a distemper survivor. (laughs) And they're like, what? And I'm like, they're like, hear me out. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally like, I feel like, I don't even know that I am this, but I, it's what I aspire to be. Mm -hmm. The most warrior of the dogs, the most resilient, the ones who just like look sickness and death in the face and go like, ha, you know, fuck you. I got it. Yeah, exactly. And like, they're so special and. No, not exactly. Today, I got, and that's so many of our dogs we rescue are dogs that like are at the brink of death, and then they come back, and that that is that says something about just yeah. their personality and, you, and fight as well. If you meet, I feel like anyone outside of the animal pad, I've not heard of anyone else. Like when you hear about distemper, a dog having distemper, everyone says that's so unfortunate. We're gonna have to euthanize it down, yeah. to save the dog, like keep it from suffering. And the animal pad is like when the dog is suffering to the extent that we feel is, right. you know, not... They're is, not going to be out of oxygen, yeah. obviously. And we've had to let a lot of dogs go in that way. But you guys are like... No, but like Bonnie, yeah. like you guys met and know Bonnie. Like Bonnie's another one I have at my house who's a distemper survivor. And like that dog runs the beach. That dog is happy. Yeah. She steals all my socks. I can't have yeah. anything around her. <laughs> she drives me insane she in the most lovable way. And I love yeah. her. Yeah, she stole your shorts. She chewed, she chewed the crotch of my shorts. And <laughs> mad, she's so sick. Mad hole. Okay. But she's also like, you know, she has a 
probably like lifelong like small yeah. things like neurological things like she's she's a particularly goofy dog like yeah, she might she not is. be all she's there derpy, yeah yeah very derpy and she has like a small tick of her like head and neck kind of yeah but she kind of just beats to her own drum <laughs> dancing around. yeah but she runs she walks yeah. like she doesn't there's oh, no. like nothing and nothing she is gonna will come lay she's only getting stronger too and we see sometimes after them being in our care and then being adopted that like two years later, they barely have a tick at all because they right. just get better. But she'll come lay on me and look up at me and like, you can't help but smile because she's smiling. Like every part of her is smiling. Yeah, it's thank so you. sweet. She is. Thank you. Okay. So what can everyone listening do to help? We'll include donating, but what can they, I mean, even just spay neutering their own dogs, vaccinating uh, yeah, their dogs. That's, yes, please. Spay, neuter, <laughs> Vax. We yeah, love those we things. Love all those in terms things. of your own home and how you can help within your own home. Yep. But what else can people do? I think like you talked about earlier, if you're not going to rescue, even if you are going to rescue, as we talked about, just do your due diligence with whatever you're doing. However, you're acquiring a dog, make sure you know more about the situation than not and just ask questions and do all the things. I think that's super important. And then um, in terms of what we need here, if you're in San Diego and want to volunteer, we have a large volunteer base now like many people move to san diego don't have a community and then join the animal pad and that's your community i mean it's become all of my best friends are involved like this is just much more than a rescue and like it sounds so cheesy to say that but that's how we feel like everyone genuinely is it in is it like for the family. right reasons it is it is so we'd love to have anyone that's in the san diego area we also have remote positions it can't necessarily feel maybe the exact same because you can't be hands-on with the dog but some people don't care about that we have people we have volunteers literally in like norway we have a volunteer in the philippines like you can be anywhere and help out. So fostering, if you're in San Diego within two hours radius of San Diego and willing to come here for vet appointments, then we would love to have you foster with us. That's always a need like that we're never going to have enough of. And then, yeah, don't donating in any way, whether it be monetary or we have an Amazon wish list. If you want to send our dogs some goodies and treats and presents, they love all of that. So nice. those are the main. Where the can main people donate? Theanimalpad.org slash donate. Uh, we also have Venmo at the Animal Pad. I don't know if, like, legally I'm allowed to say we have a Venmo, but I say it all the time, so whatever. We have a Venmo <laughs> at the Animal Pad. That's how most people donate. And then we're on PayPal. I'm just going to plug all of them. <laughs> um, donations at theanimalpad.com on PayPal. And then, Instagram. yeah, those are the main. Instagram, yep. Just follow the Animal Pad. Yes. Instagram's a great way. Like, even just the support of, like, people just sharing our posts for some of our dogs that need specific homes. Like, that's always super helpful. So Sweet. Henry, anything else? Any last words? I mean, it's just been great working with you. I feel the uh, same. Over the last couple of years. I know that social media has is, like, the greatest thing for dogs and animal rescues in terms of driving donations elevating the cause dogs are like fairy dust on social media right. so it's cool to be working with you guys as storytellers as rescuers to like really elevate the cause and and uh we hope to continue doing that yeah honestly knowing not even just like becoming involved obviously first and foremost I'm so grateful we all are, but like knowing you guys just too and like developing a friendship, like I love you guys and I'm very grateful to have that as well. So love that. We love you too. Nice. I mean, we have laid uh, in bed at night dozens of times just talking about the animal pad, talking about you specifically, talking about press and just going like that's truly. me too with all the dogs around me just talking about how all of them are here because Team Finn and you guys. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so yeah, funny. Awesome. Yeah. 
a relationship that we love. And this will not be the last time I'm sure that we either have you on the podcast yes. or people hear next about you on our... Next time we're in Baja, we should... We'll do... <laughs> next time we're in Baja, when we're at the house and everything, let's do yeah. one. And we'll have Pris there, too. Oh, sure. absolutely. Anyways, we love you, and we will get out of here. She had, uh, an, like, a thing this morning with the Doodle interviews, and now she's literally going to bounce straight to trying to get all these people to foster doodle the Doodles and a Doodle open <laughs> yeah. house for the uh, this event. So Lauren's a busy woman doing dog things. So we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye.